If this is your first time to Coming Back to Love, the podcast, welcome. We're so glad you found us. If you're a regular listener, welcome back. Either way, you're not here by accident. I'm your host, Karen Walker-Cohn, a wife, a mom, entrepreneur, friend, and dreamer who is ready to step into more of who I am created to be. I am committed to personal transformation for global impact. Now, this podcast may be very different from others. Our guests don't come with a topic or agenda. They come open and ready to receive and deliver the message that's meant for you. You will also notice our podcast is not overly produced. This is on purpose. Our hope is we will inspire you to step into who you're created to be, regardless of how it may look. Take inspired action on that book, business, relationship, and yes, podcast, or whatever it is on your heart. In my experience, my mess usually ends up being my message. I encourage you to approach our time today with a beginner's mindset and with openness to receive what is meant for you. I am speaking with the wonderful John Rodell today. I met John about three years ago, and I was going through my own conversation with God when a beautiful piece of his writing came across my screen via my friend um, across my Facebook page, and I shared the piece and how it moved me, and he reached out and thanked me. So from there, I started up a conversation and asked if I could interview him on a Facebook Live about the piece, and he agreed. Now, this is significant because it was, you know, it's been about five years, but three years ago is when I was like, okay, maybe I can just do Facebook lives. And, you know, there was God was birthing something in my heart. And he was one of the first people that um, helped me bring that to fruition. And I am forever grateful to him for that. Since I last spoke with John, he has authored multiple books, including the one I have, Hey God, Hey John, Any Given Someday, Untied, The Poetry of What Comes Next, Remedy, and his latest work, Upon Departure. John offers a sincere and very relatable look at different areas like his faith crisis, mental health, personal struggles, perception of our world, and even his fashion sense. John's writing has been shared millions of times across social media, and he is applauded by fans and readers worldwide. He teaches at universities and retreat centers across the U.S., blending his trademark comedy with creative exercises, journaling dialogue, and introspection to help people fearlessly embrace and share their personal stories. Here is my conversation with John Rodell. Yeah, I, so I just wanted to share something that I was just thinking about, you know, the, about a half an hour ago when you were on this. And I was like, you know, I know that people don't come to the, like one of the unique things about this co- podcast is you don't know what you're coming to talk about. And and then I make that even more random by asking you a question and then that's how the conversation starts out. So the whole idea about um, for this podcast is it's built intuitively, okay. uh, starting with the guest, starting with um, and then, you know, going on even f- with my team that helps me 
edit and stuff like that, they're the ones who actually ends up giving me the title of the podcast. So um, I don't even know what the title is going to be. I don't even have a clue what we're going to talk about. But I did want to share with you before we begin my heart on you said it's so nice to see you back doing this. For uh, those of you listening, John was one of my first interviews, probably uh, going on five years now. It's gonna, it's between four and five years, something like that. And um, when actually, it might actually, no, your interview might be three years because it's been four to five years since this thing was on my heart. Of course, at the time, I didn't know it was a podcast. I just knew that I wanted to interview people who inspired me. And you are definitely one of those people and inspired me big time, like so much so where I was like, I read your poem online. And I was like, Oh, my gosh, I need to talk to this guy. So now, you know, anywhere from three to five years past that, what's really cool, I was thinking about this is that I stopped, you know, for one reason or the other. It's interesting, because I have a friend whose podcast I was on uh, today, and it just aired today. And I'm talking about how I stopped. I gave up on it because of this, that or the other thing. And one (laughs) just to talk about your inspiration again, you did it. And to see where you are right now, and the books you've authored, and I mean, love it. (laughs) That's one of them. Um, And to see the courses you're teaching, and, and just everything that you've done in that span of time. I am just so inspired. I'm so proud of you. And I'm so glad that you're able to be here today. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. And I will say to complete this full circle of admiration (laughs) is you were, I think, the second podcast interview I'd ever done um, when you asked me. And I remember being so nervous um, how many years ever ago it was three to five, you know, yeah. it was right around COVID and we stopped marking time back then. And uh, so who knows how long it was, but it doesn't feel that long. It feels like I just spoke to you a couple days ago. Um, so many things have happened in my life, but the reason when you reached out and said, Hey, would you mind coming back again? I immediately jumped because you were the first person to ever let my voice have any kind of platform. Oh, wow. And the, to be able to come back again with you just to share my heart and to listen to yours is an absolute dream. And uh, I'm, I, I don't actually do I, I don't actually do many of these anymore. Um, but yours and to speak with you in this is an, I jumped like I, I think I gasped and I might have jumped in the air real quick. Uh, my <laughs> wife was like, what's what has happened? And I said, I have I, I can't believe I get to do this again. Wow. So I'm so when I uh, it is not lip service. It's not hyperbole. I am so freaking excited to be here. Thank you. Thank you, John. Wow. <laughs> that means so much coming from you. I There was just an like I said, your your poem, and we'll kind of get it a little bit into your story, but really moved me and uh, your all your poetry moves me. It's just, um, and, and apparently, you know, over 100,000 other people and more yeah. probably that it's just amazing how you've grown. And I'm just so excited. But uh, thank you so much. So um, 
um, as you know, you know, you don't, you don't know why you're, <laughs> why you're here. I start everything off with uh, the same question that everyone's getting. And, okay. um, and I want to start that question off with you. And wherever the conversa- conversation takes us, um, if you're listening, you're here on purpose. And uh, this message is for you just as much as, as it is for me. And you're hearing it at the exact right time. You're in the exact right place you need to be. All right. So I'm just going to center just a little bit and... Uh, So, John, when you hear the title of this podcast, Coming Back to Love, Inspiring Stories on Shifting Perspectives, what story or experience from your life comes to mind? Wow. The first one, because I think, and I'm sure all your other guests say the same thing, I, I there's so many things but I'll think of the first, the first crossroads, the first place in which I felt being pulled out of the narrative I was given mm-hmm. and being able to choose my own story and being my own author of my life. Um, 2000, the year 2001. Well, let's start in 2000. My, our son, our youngest son, uh, our oldest son, he was our firstborn. Noah was born. And uh, I didn't have, I, I didn't grow up with any younger brothers or sisters. I didn't have a lot of younger cousins. I hadn't been around babies very often. Mm-hmm. Um, so when my wife and I had our son Noah, he was the first baby I ever held. And I remember going into that. And at this point in my life, you know, before that, I wanted to be in Second City Comedy. I wanted to be on Saturday Night Live. I wanted to be doing, you know, hilarious, because I, lo- I, I was, I loved making people laugh. And so I thought, but I was, I wasn't able to do that with my life, life situations and responsibilities creep in, you know, adulthood, that terrible word creep crept in. And I wasn't, uh, I wasn't doing those things that I wanted to do. It just uh, got sideswiped a couple of times from life. And so I was still in my same hometown in Cheyenne, Wyoming, that I swore I was going to leave, but I was here and my wife and I found out we're having a baby and I thought, okay, well, this is kind of a restart. I'm going to be able to be the dad and the parent I want to be. And I started again, taking the script of what being a dad was going to look like and what my life was going to look like as a dad. And I grew up watching a lot of 80s television. And uh, it was my third parent growing up was the television. (laughs) And I remember, you know, seeing all these nuclear families and the dad would act some one way and the child would learn some important life lesson. And I thought, okay, I'm not going to be on second city, but I'm going to be Ward Cleaver. Or I'm going to be Mr. Seaver from, uh, was that Full House? That's not Full House. Where is he? Growing Growing Pains. pains. Yeah. Growing Pains. Good call. (laughs) I was going to be one of these dads that I grew up with. And that's how was a dad I was going to be. And so I rewrote my script from being in Second City and Saturday Night Live to being this great dad. And then within a a month or uh, three or four months into this, you know, our son was very... He cried all the time. He didn't like bass. He didn't really like people touching him. And so we were told, oh, he's just a busy boy. And that's just the way boys are. Flash forward another year, and we started seeing him around other kids his age. A lot of our friends in college started having children at the same time. We started modeling him next to other boys his age. And he still 
didn't like he he would run through snow without shoes on without feeling it mm. or he'd run through like a thorn bush get cut up and it didn't make him cry and he just seemed so different than the other the other kids that eventually we took him to a doctor because everyone else in town all the doctors we were seeing were saying oh he'll grow out of this it's just a phase well by the time he was two and a half he wasn't growing out of it so we took him down to denver colorado and much to my surprise, because I was living in uh, this little bubble I created, but not to my wife's, uh, he was diagnosed with autism. Okay. And immediately, right then and there, it was my first lesson in improv. Mm. Uh, as someone who liked, who wanted to be in Second City, who wanted to make people laugh and be on stage, I had never done improv before. Um, it was something I always wanted to do. I'd seen Whose Line Is It Anyway or been to comedy clubs where I saw people perform improv and always wanted to go learn how to do it. Well, this is my first experience in improvisation mm. because what is the one rule of improv? And I know you know this. It's yes and. Yes and. Mm -hmm. You get the suggestion from the audience. and You might have this great picture in your mind of what you want to do on stage. Oh, I'm going to be a really, really funny Margaret Thatcher in space milking a cow when all of a sudden the audience says, no, uh, you are Lionel Richie and uh, you are uh, a shrimp boat captain right. or whatever it would be. Like you have to immediately let go of this preconceived notion mm -hmm. and then you just have to say yes and here we go and jump into it. And I remember driving home from the doctor's office. It's about a two and a half hour drive. It was an eight hour exhaustive test all day. And they had come and told us, you know, your son is very impacted with autism. And this is 2002. There wasn't a lot of resources available. It's come a long way in the last 20 years. But there wasn't a lot of resources. And there, even in our, in our town specifically, there wasn't a lot of places that we could look out to. So go contact these people. They'll help you do this and they'll help you. There was none of that. It was more or less like good luck. Yeah. And so on the drive home, I'm sitting there. And I'm looking behind me at our little baby who's in, a, who's in his car seat, and I'm grieving. Mm. I'm grieving this preconceived relationship that we were going to have. The doctor just told us he's likely never going to live alone. He's likely never going to speak. You've got to give up on these things like proms and first kisses and all these things or throwing a football in the backyard. All these things as, as a dad, I thought, oh, I'll be imparting right this wisdom that I've learned in life, like as if I was some sort of like a shaman. But really what it was, was I was taught to embrace what was happening instead of this narrative that I thought I had already, I had already memorized of what being a dad was going to be like. And I remember looking at him in the back seat and grieving and crying. And my wife was already mama bearing being like, okay, no, we're going to call this person. If that doesn't work, we're going to call this person. If that doesn't work, we're going to try this diet. Right. And if that diet doesn't work, we're going to try these supplements. She was already like, and within like three or four months, we were trying things like hippotherapy, riding on horseback. We were trying Reiki. We were trying art therapy, music therapy, play therapy, therapy, cognitive, all anything. We were throwing everything at the wall mm -hmm. to see if it stuck. And I stuck and I was still... I was still mourning and I wasn't catching up. I wasn't yes anding. I was saying no, but why us? Mm. And I was mourning and grieving. And it took me about a year and a half, two years to catch up, to realize that this little baby I was given didn't come with an instruction booklet 
or a set or a set playlist that the music was going to play the way it was going to play. And the, there was no instruction booklet. And the only thing we were called to do, instead of having this perfect iconic relationship as a dad and a son, it was going to be, can you just keep saying yes to this experience? Wow. Can you just keep saying yes to, I will support you. Can you just keep saying, yes, I'm going to be desperate to find a way to connect with you. And my son and my wife taught me how to improvise long before I ever got on a stage, which was about five years later, and started performing improv. I had already gone to boot camp of Yes And. And that was the first moment I remember having all this built up preconceived notion of what my experience of being a human on this planet was going to be. And it was thrown out the door in one doctor's appointment. But it taught me to embrace the beauty of this adventure we're on that is heartbreaking, it's heart-wrenching, but it's amazing because now my son has taught me so much about generosity Hmm. and compassion and making your heart an open gate instead of a closed vault. He has never met anyone he he does not like. He has never... He has never uh, belittled anyone. He doesn't understand sarcasm. It goes right past him. But he's taught me how to be less cynical and skeptical. And now he's 20, about 24 years old. He's going to graduate from the University of Wyoming next wow. year in a, as a theater major. He, doesn't, he likes doing stuff behind scenes like building sets and lights. Yeah. But he's had this amazing adventure that had I been stuck in that moment of just saying, no to what was happening, I would have been a reluctant participant. Right. But now this, I get to say that I got to ride shotgun with him and my wife on this amazing journey into our hearts, which all began for all of us. You included everyone in their life. We all just have to say yes. Yeah. And here we go. Mm-hmm. And that, when you asked me that question, that's the first that's the first story that came to mind because that was the first time I dropped the playbook. I dropped the script. I dropped every, all the notes I was handed to me before being a, an adult or a human or whatever. And I threw them over my head and just said, okay, here we go. Yeah. Wow. I love that so much. That is so great. I, I resonate on so many different levels, you know, like just starting this project for myself is choosing to, um, I I call it step into messy, you know, this, Mm. this little, um, you know, this former perfectionist, um, recovering perfectionist is, um, you know, it doesn't have to, and, and I, the same, you know, the same thing I thought I was going to be, uh, I don't know if you remember solid gold, but now I'm dating myself, but I thought I was going to be a solid gold dancer and I was going to act and I was going to be on Saturday night live as well, all those yeah. things. And, um, and I chose, you know, to, to get into, it's got to look like this, you know, and, and years of um, modeling and acting, it's, it gets to look like this, which, you know, when I started and when I interviewed you, it was like, that was the reason why I, I, it didn't look the way I thought it supposed to look. And I didn't get the, the viewership I thought I was going to get. And, you know, and, so it's like, oh, well, you know, that that old um, not good enough and, you know, stuff started bubbling up to the surface, got the better of me. And uh, and it's taken, you know, almost five years for me to go, nope, 
this is still in my heart. I can't let it go. I get to say yes and to this and step into messy. I don't know, John, I don't know the first thing about podcasting. <laughs> you know? Did you know the first thing about writing when you decided, you know, like... <laughs> No, I, I, you know, and we, we, maybe we get into this, maybe we don't. I didn't read poetry at all until I started writing it because it started pushing its way out like a wildflower in a, a busy New York sidewalk. I had no infrastructure. I had no knowledge. I think I had gotten C minuses to probably D plus in any poetry unit in high school or in college <clears throat> growing up. I had no, but all I knew is I just needed to say yes to something that was happening inside mm -hmm. without knowing what was going to happen when you keep pulling that string. Right. Um, and I, I resonate exactly with what you're saying with like, oh, but this is not supposed to look like this. I mean, button poets. I mean, when I go and do poetry events and there's other poets there my age or even younger who are men, they're usually chiseled, wearing tight T-shirts and, you know, they're reading this really emotional, like a relationship poetry. And I always have this imposter syndrome this mm -hmm. i'm a fraud because i don't look like this or it's not looking like this thing i put in my head or i'm not i like i 20 some years ago i'm not going to be the father that i thought i was so i want to give up on it all right but right. isn't it amazing for both of us that it didn't turn out the way that we planned for it too because how boring would that be <laughs> if it worked out exactly as our plans or our machinations worked out or we have this amazing blueprint. It's like, oh, I'm going to follow this to the exact T. I think there's so much beauty in the chaos. Yeah. There's so many amazing things that can happen in disappointment. And, you know, I, for me, it's, it's this constant slow death of ego. Wow. And, um, mm -hmm. and it's constantly reminding myself that in, in this work that I'm doing, that it's not about me feeling like, oh, how impressive am I? It's about it's about getting myself out of the way so I can connect with other people. And mm -hmm. if I get that, if I'm not if I'm not reading from behind a script or some preconceived notion of anything that I'm doing, then I can connect with people with where they are. Yeah. And that's that is what it is all about is connecting yeah. with people where they are. Yeah. Uh, that's what it is for me, anyways. Yeah. And uh, yeah. Oh gosh, John, that was so good. If you can leave, I mean, you've left so many messages already. <laughs> like, what? Like, if you could just give the listener one thing to take away from this, what would that message be? Be so kind to yourself. We, and I'll say the royal we, um, because I'm the, I think I'm, I'm the, I, I catch myself doing this all the time. And it's a little bit of martyrdom syndrome. And it's also a little bit of just the own work I'm, I'm doing. But I found when I talk about this with people or I write about this theme, it resonates with so many other people because I think a lot of people have the same experience that we're, oftentimes easy to dole out mercy to other people or to give empathy to other people's situations or to um, or to certainly forgive people. But sometimes we don't ever offer that to ourselves. Mm. Um, like if I'm at a restaurant and the, per the server is having a terrible day and they're just throwing the food down, I'm the first to say we don't know what's going on 
behind the scenes with that person's day. We need to show some grace and compassion Absolutely. to them. But later on in the day, when I'm furious at myself for making a typo or doing something, you know, ridiculously stupid, which I have like a quota of five or six really embarrassing things a day that I do, that I don't offer myself even a hint of that yeah. because I expect myself to be per perfect. And it's this ego death. It's that whole thing. And it's a slow trying to get rid of this voice in my head that says it has to be exact and you have to be perfect and everything has to be polished and wonderful. Right. Um, and, and certainly the more people that follow me and the more times my work gets shared, the more the ego inside of me creeps up and says, yeah, now you really have to do good because now there's more people watching you. Yes. And for me, I want to get messier. And I mm -hmm. loved how you used the word I mess. I, I, I want to get messier the older I get. Yeah. I want to show my kids that it's okay to be a little bit of a, a little bit of a wildfire inside of our hearts. Yeah. That it's okay because the messier it is, the easier it is to leave us. If I have a messy interior life in a lot of ways, the easier it's going to be for me to share because it's so messy I can pull it apart like cotton candy and hand it out to people. If it was if I was perfect and exact and everything was wonderful, I wouldn't want to share it because I'd be afraid of ruining something that is like this piece of art that yeah. museum piece of art behind a velvet rope yeah. no the messier i am and the more i then that's one of the reasons i write on facebook because every day i write a poem and i don't i edit it for 30 seconds to a minute and then i throw it out there immediately wow. so it's good. improvisation it's the yes and yeah it's and that's kind of how i teach my writing is like let it be messy yeah. Let it be, let it be a little bit, not perfect. Let it be like a rustic piece of granite that is not <laughs> polished. You might get your finger cut on it if you touch it, but I, I prefer that. And that's how I live my life and anything else. Otherwise, if I'm acting like I have all my poop together, I don't, mm -hmm. I'm a hot mess. Mm -hmm. So let it be authentic. Cause that's who I am. I'm a that's bit of a it. mess. How, how else? And, and for the thing that I realized recently in the, um, this experiential workshop that I was in is that, um, that messiness, which is, which is, I got the lesson there was in, doesn't matter like what you're calling messy is because you can you see and you feel the internal stuff going on inside of you yeah and a lot of the times we can too so okay. but i'm looking at you going that's perfection <laughs> and 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 so this is this is kind of the point that i want to make is that we get to choose yeah. what perfection looks like to us Right. And uh, so I guess we get to redefine the word yeah. perfect. And I for love me, it. it's messiness. And so yeah. I, I just think, God, I, like I'm inspired by it. I'm attracted to it. I, I, I'm looking for that. And yeah. I know there's a lot of people out there just looking for that authenticity. And, yeah. And the kinder we, the more kindness we show ourselves mm. and we grant ourselves the grace that we give other people the more we pardon ourselves every day for not being this perfect person, the more we can lean into embrace the intricacies and the uniqueness of each of our lives and to lean into our imperfections. 
because it's in these human imperfected moments where our humanity shines out. Mm-hmm. I love having typos. I love when people write me to say, hey, you know what? Uh, you didn't use the semicolon right, which I still, <laughs> at this point, nobody really can explain to me a semicolon. I, I, no, I don't care. I can sit down with any academic scholar. I still don't get it. But like, they, people write me and I'll be like, great, thank you. I love it because I'm not done. And in fact, even the poems that are in books, I'm going back and changing a year later. That's why I don't name any of my poetry because I find it all still a work of art. I don't oh, know, a work in progress. That's so I find it like it's okay. it's still, the paint is still drying on yeah. things. I love and I don't name anything because I don't want it to be finished. And I don't, and I, and anything I write and put out into the world is just like, here is a dripping piece of art the clay has not it's still dripping clay it's still you can if you touch it you're going to get your fingerprints in it that's okay um because it's where i was in that exact moment when i wrote it i wasn't perfect in that exact moment i wasn't wearing this ascot and a monocle and sitting there in a big poetry garb or whatever the outfits poets are supposed to wear and sitting (laughs) at candlelight and writing something that is perfect and academically mm-hmm. amazing and everyone's gonna no I wrote it usually in a moment where I felt something so strongly and so deeply that I had to get it out squeeze it out as quickly as I can and it might come out a little bit oblong and uneven but that's what makes it real I think yeah yeah and special <laughs> well, yeah and, and that's but I and it starts with kindness I have to forgive myself yeah. For not being, and it's every day. It's not like I'm speaking from on top of the mountaintop as a, some hierarchy here. This is the conversation I'm having with you right now. I have inside of myself every day. It's okay. It's okay to screw up. It's okay to not be perfect. It's okay to It's okay to cry. It's okay to have some fractured parts in you. It's okay. Yeah. Because this is an adventure. And we're supposed to have these moments of doubt and, and terror and failure. Because otherwise, again, how boring would it be? Yeah. Yeah, such a beautiful message. Thank you, John. Thank you for being yeah. here. Thank oh, you gosh. for the work that you're doing. And um, gosh, I'm just so super excited to put this out into the world, to have your voice heard again and again and again. Thanks, John. Uh, thank you so much. And again, you keep doing the work that you're doing. You are one of those lighthouses mm. um, on the shore the, where people you have no idea the reach or the person that, because you said it perfectly right at the beginning, wherever, if you're listening to this, if you somehow bumped into this, there's a reason why, uh, there's a reason why you're listening to this. And it's because you are sitting there on the, on the shore as a lighthouse saying, I've been through the storm. I know what it's like. Here's a light that will help bring you to safety. So I want to thank you for all the work that you're doing and the the way that you shine and the way that you help other people. Thanks, John. Yeah. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode of Coming Back to Love, the podcast. If you enjoyed what you heard, please make sure to click the link in the description to take you to the full video episode on our YouTube channel. If you absolutely love what we're about, please follow us on Apple Podcasts and Spotify and leave us a review. For more inspiration and resources, visit my website at theklwprojectgroup.com, where you'll find all the ways you can connect with me. I would love to hear your suggestions for topics, questions, and future guests you'd like to hear from to support your coming back to love journey. In the meantime, 
have an inspiring rest of your day.